0: Welcome, everyone, to Pen Pen Pals for a Solo Alex episode. I am coming to you with some talk about Sekiro, one of my favorite software games, and I'm very excited to have two guests with me today. One of them is returning, and that's Sophie. Hello. And then we have a guest who I'm a big fan of, but have never gotten to record with before. Please welcome Mimi. Konbawa,
1: <laughs> minasan.
0: So Mimi, let, let me start with you, because I've never recorded with you before. Uh, Sekiro. It's a, it's a action RPG set in Japan. Uh, What's your experience with it? Do you like it? It's okay.
1: (laughs) Average. (laughs) No, it's great. I love it. It's definitely in my top three games of all time. It's one of those things where a recency bias, if I play it recently, I'm like, oh my God, this is my favorite game of all time. So it's great. I love it.
0: Yeah. And Sophie, what's your experience with Sekiro? Um, Sekiro is something that like, because
2: it was from software. I knew I was going to have to play it and I feel like it's something that if I didn't if I didn't have that pre-existing relationship with the studio I would have avoided it completely. Mm. And even when I saw it I'm like I don't think I'm going to like this. I was convinced I was going to hate it. Yeah. And I was actually really surprised by how much I did like it and how much it it dodged my expectations of what it was based on the marketing which I think is also what what Dark Souls was as well. It was marketed as, like, this is a very, very difficult game. Like, all the discourse around it was about difficulty. Mm-hmm. None of it was about anything else, so I, I just was ready for it to just be, like, a, a very complicated boss rush. And then yeah, it ended up being, I think, uh, probably my third favorite after uh,
0: Bloodborne and Demon's Souls. Oh, yeah. Solid, solid. What, Mimi, out of curiosity, what are, what are your other two favorite games?
1: Uh, Breath of the Wild. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, oddly enough barbie horse adventures Adventures, no no i'm kidding i'm kidding no i mean (laughs) it's it's great no it's great it's it's great for nostalgia purposes but i'd probably say breath of the wild sekiro those those are the two that if i'm gonna name two off the top of my head that's about it. You're better, like another Zelda game, who knows.
0: Okay. Yeah, big fan of uh classic Zelda here. I'll, only 2D Zelda uh, cuts it for That's me. That's
1: totally fine. Minish Cap is the GOAT. I love it.
0: I haven't even checked that one out. You got it. Oh, it's God, great. A it's a It's out. a
1: Capcom. It's a Capcom uh collaboration. Really? It's very colorful, very good. Um I love it to death. I'm a very like easy to please person in terms of like, you know, cuz people are like this this Zelda game sucks. I'm like, "No, it's great. I just had a great time with it."
0: That's great. Uh so I've gathered the two of you together because I like talking about poignant main characters. And mm-hmm. I think that Sekiro has a very poignant that's not the word I'm looking for, but I think it has a great main character,
3: yeah. Wolf. <laughs>
0: Wolf is, for all intents and purposes, he's a shinobi, right? He's a, or I I think the more common term outside of Japan is ninja, mm-hmm. but I don't know if those have actual different connotations.
1: It's a very like popular westernized term that rose, I think, predominantly during the Kurosawa era of uh, filmmaking.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: But I, I can't, I can't remember, don't, don't quote me, but it's very westernized. That's the best way to put it. But yeah, he is, he is a shinobi.
0: Okay. So as a shinobi, he's there's some specific things about him, and that's uh, he's, uh has a master. He's not his own person, right? And this is something that we see in the game several times is people who are subservient, even his father, uh, Owl, they don't have their own names, right? They are kind of part of the legacy or the family of whoever they're serving. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that as a, a shinobi, he is a violence doer, right? Like that's kind of part of the job description. And you can, you know, play the game trying to kill as few people as possible. I've done that. It's kind of fun because you're like, oh, well, a lot of these people are my countrymen. I probably don't actually want to kill them, but they all have orders to kill me. Historically, Shinobi are like that, actually. Oh, really? You
1: know, you can play the game as you want, but I'm like, I see a guy and it's on site that's just how i play games um i'm not mm-hmm. a great speedrunner because of that issue but historically mm-hmm. shinobi were more like they were like spies uh the names like wolf owl orangutan and you know lady butterfly those aren't their actual names those are their code names
0: mm. so just think
1: of them like modern day like cia
0: oh okay
1: they're not typically the ones trying to do the violence they they have people to do that for them like Take Owl for example. Owl, like obviously, will fight Wolf, but honestly, he just has the Ministry doing his dirty work because he's got the intel for them. But historically, Shinobi don't actually do a whole lot of fighting. They do, but they don't like they're they're more like covert. Uh, they're they're spies.
0: And so, because Wolf is at the same time, he's subservient to Kuro, his his lord, right? This young this young lord, but he's also subservient to Wolf, uh, or I mean Owl. So would, would Wolf be more likely to do violence than Owl because he's like, he's someone that Wolf, Owl could tell, say, go kill these people?
1: Well, it's like in the game, it's, he's his bodyguard. It's Kudo's bodyguard. So it's more of a, um, if it comes to violence, it comes to violence. But you gotta, you gotta understand that, like, if Owl points at someone and says, go kill that guy, I'm pretty sure Wolf would absolutely do it. You know, at least like pregame shit, but in terms of him committing violence, in ter- uh, in terms of kudo, it's more of a, I'm going to slap you if I really have to. Because think of it this way. You can go through almost, like outside of main bosses, obviously. You can go through almost all of Sekido. let's say like the first half, like first third of the game, where, you know, your last obstacle is Genichiro. Like that's the one thing in Wolf's Way. And he mm-hmm. has to take him out. That's a necessity rather than, a well, he can just go around him. Like, no, he can't. That's that's in the way.
0: Mm, okay. So, so Wolf, a- as a character, it doesn't seem like he's prone to violence, but he has reasons to commit violence, which brings us to kind of what I wanted to talk about here, which is that I think like humans have this natural aversion towards violence and that we need a reason to do it. We need like, a justification for it, like tribalism or, you know, dispute over resources, something like that. A wolf, I feel like, has Kuro as his justification Mm -hmm. that these people are between him and his lord who he has to keep safe. And so anyone who's keeping him away from the lord will just have to die.
1: Yeah. And then, I mean, here's a great example, uh, because there's almost two bosses in a row. You you kill Gyobu. And then you mm-hmm. kill the the blazing bull and the blazing bull like wolf does not draw out its suffering. He literally just sticks oh. a sword in his in his straight through his brain, kills it instantly because he's for the most part, not a not really a cruel person. Mm-hmm. The only time that he's even remotely cruel is if you do like death blows against Lone Shadows, he will like do some extra shit.
0: Oh, really?
1: Because they are rival shinobi. And I think he's just being a little petty. Um, because he'll actually turn his sword and thrust it in more before pulling it out. Like he'll thrust oh. it in, turn it, thrust it in more, and then like pull it out.
0: Brutal. What a wonderful piece of characterization. And 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 from software is good at that stuff. I think they're known for their animations and like some storytelling through animations. Like I hadn't thought about it until now, but I, I've been playing the game recently. Uh you're absolutely right. When he kills the bull he puts it out of its misery immediately, but he also has this like soothing. Yes. He's yeah. almost yep, like he puts a hand touching on it him. on the face. Like your pain is over mm-hmm. now. It's okay.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. It's actually like, it's sad because it's, you know, it's not the bull's fault, but, uh, and Wolf certainly knows that, but like there's definitely differences between the way he dispatches people.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so that's, that's just a great example of him being baseline, not cruel.
0: Okay. So if we were to characterize Uh, uh, Wolf as having a relationship to violence it would solely be through his profession yeah
1: I would say less profession and more circumstances like remember his profession isn't supposed to be violent
0: oh right yeah
1: but because of his circumstances where he has a technically like two masters which is Kudo and Owl um, if he has violence due to either circumstance whether it's protecting Kudo or Owl told him to it's just more circumstance than
3: anything
0: hmm so there's some other fascinating characters in this game uh, who have a different relationship to violence. Or I want to take a look at them because um, I think they serve as kind of mirrors for our main character, Wolf. And the first one, let's talk about Genichiro, your your himbo man-husband, right?
2: Genichiro Ashina is a big, dumb idiot himbo who has no manners and deserves to be shamed for his horny war crimes. Support the burning of your local heretics today by enlisting in the Ginichiro Ashina is not valid army. Ginichiro Ashina has no rights.
1: <laughs> Look at Sophie, this bitch knows. <laughs> I feel like I'm in an arranged marriage because everyone and their mom is like, yeah, me, Michiro, real. <laughs> and I'm just here, like, oh my fucking god! I'm just trying to, like, I kill him multiple times, like. And they're like, yeah, that's like love. That's this love language. Mm-hmm. So yes, abs- absolutely. People call him my himbo man husband. Correct. He's not a himbo though, because he's he's not necessarily kind. He's kind of a war criminal. My kind of. Uh-huh. I mean, he really is a fucking war criminal. Yeah.
0: Though. Oh yeah. He's he's on the other side of the the blazing bowl uh paradigm here Mm -hmm. right he's the one who gives the order hey strap some burning uh twigs to its head and let it go wild
1: fucking loon love it (laughs) that's literally based off a historical like a historical fiction event in a book called the heike monogatari which is (laughs) which is so funny because he literally just read a book and was like oh yeah no that's no that's totally great that sounds totally legit let's do it that's a good
0: idea (laughs) So what what is the, uh, for, I totally know what it is, but for those of us who don't know what the Heike Monogatari is, can you give us a, what, what is that? Oh
1: God, the Heike Monogatari is, let's just call it historical fiction. It's actually, what the fuck is the name of the war? Oh, the Genpei War, my bad. Because I was I was thinking between the Onin War and the Genpei War. It, it's the Genpei War, which was fought in the mid-late, 12th century japan okay. which is when the japan shifted from the emperor as the sole leader to the shogunate which is the shogun is in charge um but it is essentially a historical fiction of the constant turmoil between uh, the minamoto clan and the tayada clan who's actually a the ancestors of nobunaga so Oh, wow. It, it's not necessarily not true, but it's one of those stories that are like very embellished. Very, very embellished. And, and the one story is that Minamoto no Yoshitsune, I think, either it was Yoritomo, I can't remember. Um, and Tomoe, which is who Tomoe in the game is based off of, oh. decide to ride bulls with blazing sticks at their enemy who is trapped in like a valley. So that's
0: where he got the idea from. <laughs> So theirs was a little bit better because they were going to ride the bulls. Yeah, totally. Like, that's that, that's why it worked probably. And Genichiro was just like set it free.
1: Yeah, I know, that's exactly what he did. Dumbass.
0: <laughs> so Genichiro, he is fascinated by the this mythology, these like semi-historical stories, right? Mm-hmm. That ties into him. I think he if we were to look at his character in a political view, I think he very much represents like hyper-nationalism. Right?
1: Yes. Agreed. Now um, you have to understand, this is another thing. This is all of the main three characters of um, Sekiro that they like to put focus on is Emma, Wolf, and Genichiro, mm-hmm. which are all like victims of circumstance. So they were all victims of Ishin's coup and Genichiro specifically, who is actually He's he's it, Ishin's blood relative, but he's illegitimate. He has to live in the shadow of the greatest swordsman to ever live. Um, and there's actually a little bit of dialogue between soldiers that not everyone caught. That they basically talk about, oh my god, Ishin is absolutely terrifying. That is why the ministry is not here, even though he's literally dying. But they're not attacking because Ishin's still alive. And then they go, oh yeah, getting is was good with the bow and arrow, I guess. Anyways, um, uh. They, <laughs> He really probably feels that pressure, not only as a leader of a country, but as, oh, my God, my grandpa's a war hero and I got to be that way. Mm-hmm. So there's like an immense amount of pressure uh, and he has to work twice as hard because he's illegitimate, regardless of whether or not Ishin said, yeah, he's Lord now or he's going to be Lord mm. in in Japan that it doesn't really matter. Like if the, if the court doesn't like you, if nobles don't like you, if your generals don't like you then, um, you know, fuck him. We'll, we'll just set the, you know, we'll either set the palace on fire or we'll set him on fire. That's that's usually how it goes in,
0: in, Japan. <laughs> in okay. Japan, medieval Japan. It's not a perfect system, but it works.
1: <laughs> you know, it does work. You know, it has some kinks. We've got to work out, but, you know, it tends to work nine times out of ten. But uh, as a reflection of himself, he also just, like, loses everyone around him at all times because Ashina is just literally always war-torn. You know, mm-hmm. there's never any peace for him. And he unfortunately loses not only one mother, his biological mother, but what uh, Tomoe, who is another person who is, you know, not necessarily, you know, we, we do hear about how good of a swordsman she is, or swordswoman she is, but she's so good. But she has this ability that she technically can't die. And he doesn't have that mm-hmm. either. Um, And then eventually she does, she does die. And he's like, well, like this literal undead person is, is dead now. So he probably has a little crisis there. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's just kind of interesting because his circumstances are on par with Wolf in terms of he has a lot of big shoes to fill, but getting even more so because he's trying to save a whole country, whereas Wolf is just trying to save a kid.
0: Oh, yeah. Wolf's goal seems much more attainable than Genichiro's.
1: Yes, Genichiro has committed a lot of unfortunate war crimes that uh, a lot of unfortunate war crimes.
3: Yeah, that unfortunate has,
1: that have led him to a lot of dead ends, and he just can't accept the fact that he. It's probably you know Ashi is probably going to not survive,
3: mm-hmm. but
1: it's actually characteristic. There's an item description for the pellets that Ashina people, people from Ashina are characteristically stubborn and hmm. will not give up very easily which is why the pellets even though they're like you know they're not the best healing module but they'll eat it anyways cuz it'll essentially give them like a little bit of boost because they're too stubborn to die.
0: Yeah, which like translates very well mechanically I feel because anyone who's played the game and been out of your gourd you're like, "Oh, I do have those pellets. Maybe I can finish this boss fight out." Hmm.
1: Yeah, literally too stubborn to die pills.
0: Too too,
1: too sexy to live, too hot to die Essentially (laughs) Which is why um, Genichiro strips Halfway through the fight Too sexy to live, too hot to die Right Literally, I'll look at him and say (laughs) Cover them up, slut (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a reason why he takes it off And I'm sure everyone knows that metal Unfortunately, conducts electricity very well They're not just lightning scars on his arm. They're burn scars, meaning that they were essentially melded into his arm and they had to um, they had to peel them off, which is why there's Mm -hmm. like literal chunks of flesh missing. Oh, God, that's so gross. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's part of I, I, I literally he has this scar, but I think like symbolically uh, that's the influence of Tomoe on him, right? Like it's her technique. Uh, I mean, it's not hers originally. It's like mm-hmm. the Okami he, women's technique. She
1: she didn't teach it to him, but she definitely like saw it and was like, I want to do that. Which is probably, prob- like there's a couple of things about what probably happened. And that's, it was probably on, like it was probably last minute. And um she probably never technically taught him because it is literally heresy. Like you are literally dealing and don't do that because only the gods do that sort of stuff.
3: Oh, that's why that's
1: why it's considered heresy. Like he literally uses uh, techniques that shouldn't be done by humans. You can actually see through the back part of his armor as well. It's his manto, which is his cape. It struck through his back and traveled down his arms. So it, it and also on his back, it, the scar originates.
3: So mm-hmm. he,
1: again, he's trying to attain being like great. And being a hero by using lightning for who knows what, but obviously not safely. And he he fails. He His whole life is kind of full of failure. It's kind of sad.
0: Very much so. And, and a lot of that failure, uh, at least the stuff that we get to uh, uh, witness, is directly centered around Wolf. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the product of his grandfather, Ishin, and Tomoe. Um, so he has, like their influences but so does wolf and wolf has them in a much healthier way like uh uh, wolf has the same resurrective powers that tomoe had right Mm -hmm. and wolf also like ishin likes him
3: oh he loves
1: wolf are you kidding me he literally knocked the picture of genichiro off of the mantle and said wolf is my son now it's my son now (laughs) I'm friendship ended with Genichiro. Uh, Wolf is now my best friend. But here's an interesting factoid, and I've heard this discussed very little. Mm -hmm. So notice how Genichiro cuts off Wolf's left arm. Yes. So Ishin cut off uh, the sculptor's left arm because he Mm -hmm. was becoming Shura. And that's a very common trope, not only in FromSoft games, uh, but in Japan where evil travels up the left side.
0: Oh, there's a thing like that in Bloodborne too. Right? Yeah, yes,
1: it's it's a yeah. very common uh, trope in Japanese media.
0: Yeah, well, not even necessarily
2: Japanese. Like the, it's like they in call general. it the sinest in the sinestral side because it's yeah, like yeah. sinister.
3: Yeah.
1: With FromSoft, especially they they take a lot of care into saying like left side bad, left mm. bad. So someone mentioned that I I cannot remember who for the life of me, but they mentioned that Genichiro cut off Wolf's left arm. Because mm-hmm. it's a mirror of what Ishin did to the sculptor, and Genichiro could have had it in his brain. Like, yeah, now he can never be Shura because he has no left arm. Mm. I literally stopped him from being more powerful than me. Ha ha! Like I'm, I'm a war hero now. But obviously, it could have just been circumstantial that he cut off his left arm. And right. you know, but it doesn't matter. He, that's just something that was mentioned to me that I thought was
2: interesting. You can become Shura anyway. With half of
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They can. Yeah. I, I, I've always loved that opening where you lose your arm. Cause you, the hand and the arm often symbolize like, you know, will or, or agency. And so you as a shinobi, as someone's, you know, you have a Lord, you're a vassal. You kind of don't have your own agency and to, to, to start the game off with you losing that part of yourself. It, it's just so poetic.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
0: It's also like a symbolic castration
2: as well. Oh. It's like tying back into the same, the same imagery. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like that's something that like I, I like about Sekiro. And like we we I think part of why we ended up doing this together is that we had done an episode on Jinro. Mm-hmm. Which is like has a similar kind of main character, but it's sort of if it went in the other direction.
1: Yes, agreed. Yeah,
2: yeah, where it's like, this is a character and Sort of the the thrust of the story is essentially that, like, the thing that, like, is being viewed as a weakness in them, like, something that they're doing wrong, is actually what's making them a better person. Mm. So, like, Fusei, like, he has this sort of innate, like, I can't kill people thing. Like, he has this sort of innate empathy. And the story of Jinro is about, like, that empathy gradually being beaten out of him until he can just murder people. Yeah. And it's like, but that's portrayed by his superiors. Like, well, the fact that you couldn't shoot this girl in the face at point blank range. Like, you're bad at your job. So, again, yeah, the way that, like, Actually, the fact that, like, you can't do this thing, you can't perform this task, you can't be the person we're telling you to be. There's something wrong with you. The fact that there's something wrong with you is actually what makes you better than them.
1: Yeah, and it haunts yeah. him. It haunts him, too. Yeah, like, yeah. He, like you will see symbolism of that girl, that whole movie, Um, mm. especially that one sequence of her being chased by wolves and being torn yeah. apart. Great. Yeah, no, that's a great comparison because that's it's like, damn, you couldn't do this? What the fuck is wrong with you?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I hadn't thought about this till you just said it, but I think there's a similarity here in Wolf, like a direct thing, because all three of our main characters that we're talking about here, they're all orphans, right? Yeah. And so the whole point is they didn't have parents. Like, yes, Wolf has a father in Owl, but he's a really shitty dad. Yes, it is. And so the whole story, you... Are, are operating without these parental figures, without what you needed to be, you know, without proper models for adulthood. And mm. yet Wolf's desire to protect Kuro, it ends up becoming this like surrogate yeah. father thing, right? Yeah. And this, the endings are not so dissimilar. Uh, in Jinro, Fusei, he's, not quite alone, but basically alone in a field where he has to kill the person he wanted to save. And Wolf has to do the same thing in the mediocre ending, right? And it's only through doing extra stuff that you get the nice ending, the one that Wolf would want, where he kills himself instead of Kuro. He takes that burden onto himself. That's brilliant.
1: It also kind of deals with agency too, because Wolf, um, for the most part, in the Immortal Severance ending, which is just like the vanilla ending, he he doesn't really do a lot of investigating beyond what Kudo told him to do, where Kudo, Kudo will be like, here's his book, go read this, go there, go there, go go look here, go ask this person, go do that. Which, you know, he's being loyal, but he's not really breaking past his, like really doing a huge breakthrough past agency, obviously beyond telling his father to go fuck himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't really matter in the end because he still didn't have agency in the decision and he really just followed someone else's orders in the end. But in the other two endings, which is the purification ending and the Dragon's Return ending, he does have that sort of agency. I think beyond the purification ending, I think the Dragon's Return one is peak wolf having some agency and doing Mm. his own investigation. Purification, sure, like, it definitely delves into that, but, you know, he still dies. So it, it's it's sad, but he essentially goes off to look for another solution in both of those endings with his own agency outside of, like, he doesn't tell Kuro he's going to look for a different way outside of what he told him. He's being a little sneaky, but he's doing it in a way that it's like, ch- I care about this child and I don't want him to die. Which is another weird thing for a shinobi, especially the shinobi in this game where everyone has to be cold and kind of mur- a little murderous, you know, like a little like, oh, we shouldn't care that much about human life. Fuck it. You know, the you know, in two years, there could be you could be serving a different Lord. You don't know that. Mm-hmm. And and Al points that out. He says, oh, my God, a shinobi showing the like the likes of like sympathy. What the fuck is this shit? You know, mm. <laughs> I see you smiling so. <laughs> yeah, no, he basically just goes, What the fuck is this shit? So it's obviously uncharacteristic of Shinobi in this universe because technically it is like a historical fantasy. Mm-hmm. But he breaks through the agency and the, Oh, you fucking failed. And he, you know, he's able to do his own thing and save Kudo and also possibly in one of the endings, not die. So
3: mm-hmm. yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've always thought the uh not always well I, since I uh, completed them. I thought the purification ending was the happiest, but uh uh I the other one is like the most disnified because you're like, oh, we're going on another journey.
1: It could be a journey to the west, you don't know.
0: Oh, that's true. But in the purification or the uh dragon's mm-hmm. return ending, doesn't Kuro end up like inside of the Divine Child?
1: Yes, essentially. Isn't it great what a though? Weird thing. It, it is. It is a journey to the west nod. There's a lot of journey to the west nods in in this game, specifically okay. literally journeying to the west, which is which is fun
3: right.
1: because um it's it's I mean this game has amazing Buddhist themes, so it would only make sense to like straight up continue with the Buddhist themes. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people theorize like, oh, the west is China. Oh, the west is Korea. You just you just don't know. It's just the west. That's what it says. The West
0: and that that ambiguity lends itself to the meaning because, like, it could be all of them. You know, it 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 symbolically can be the culture of China coming over. It can be the the seven bladed sword from Korea, right? But it can also be the Buddhist teachings that were taken from India too, right?
1: Yeah, that came around in like the not. That was the Nada period, so that was like uh, the tenth. No, I lied. Buddhism came in like the sixth or seventh century. I can't remember. One, oh, of, those, wow. one of those centuries, Buddhist came, Buddha came around and said, hey, <laughs> you could
0: make a religion out of this. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: But yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's definitely just combining influence. So I, yeah, that, sounds, that makes sense.
0: That's really cool. Okay. So back to Genichiro really quick. Uh, so he's quite different than Wolf.
1: Yeah, he's like five feet taller than
0: him. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. He's been drinking the waters. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's been drinking that that sweet, sweet river mud.
0: That sweet sediment. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, his relationship to violence is quite different than Wolf's. He one tells people to do violence, um, but also when he does violence himself, uh, when Wolf does it, it's for a specific person, right? It's it's to save Kuro or get to Kuro. But when Genichiro does it, it's for this vague ideal of Ashina, Mm -hmm. which, you know, there's obviously the nationalist angle there, but it means that whenever he does this violence, he doesn't have a concrete goal in mind. Like the preservation of Ashina seems concrete enough unless it's like the preservation of Ashina forever. Like, when does that end? Where are the goalposts for it? As opposed to, obviously, Wolf has like, well, if I get Kuro and get him out of Ashina, that's my goal. Like, there, there's a win for me. But like, Genichiro, under his own system, he'll never be satisfied.
1: No, and and it really is just a, hearkening back to the the notion that the game puts forth that immort- immortality is not good. It's not. Mm. It is not a good thing. So Ashina existing in perpetuity is bad, and, and it's Being portrayed as, no, we don't want this. I also think Wolf traveling up through Ashina Castle to to Kudo from the bottom of the outskirts is a great portrayal of the death and destruction that this sort of a a preservation attempt is inviting. Mm. And Genitro isn't really thinking about Ashina the people because Ashina is not a place. It's a state of mind. Mm -hmm. Ashina is more of an idea. Like you said, Ashina raised him up. Ashina made him who he is. um, And he would be nothing without it. So that's his idea of, oh my God, if Ashina goes, I go too. I don't want that to happen. So he'll do anything, even throwing aside people that he Mm -hmm. obviously cares about. Like Yobu, like regardless of him laying down his life, that is one man Defending the gates of the castle. One. Just one guy. And it just, like, kills me that he literally says, like, essentially, Genichiro, I'm sorry.
3: Genichiro, forgive
1: me. Like, he wasn't Ah. strong enough, which is very sad. But, again, to Genichiro, that's just in the that feels like someone it's like oh well he was just kind of essentially another body to him that's what it feels mm-hmm. feels like in the i'm not saying that's how it actually was I'm sh- like in my head like i think they had like a great relationship obviously um in fact gyobu in the japanese dub does not call him genichiro dono which means lord Genichiro. he just calls him genichiro which <gasps> is fucking mm. crazy Ooh. crazy you never did that you never did that to your liege lord So that tells me that they were they had a you know like at least a great relationship. So it's just crazy how all these people are dying around him, and he's just like, fuck, I gotta gotta figure out a way to preserve Ashina. So it's no longer about the people around him who are Ashina, part of Ashina, but it's just about, yeah, Ashina, the idea. Yeah, Ashina will rise again, I swear.
0: Mm -hmm. So he has a positive relationship with Kyobu. That seems like the only Positive relationship he has And Emma Emma and him get along
1: I honest to God Emma is literally out there Committing fucking treason <laughs> And he's just like You can live <laughs> Yeah Like no Emma's just straight up out there Committing goddamn treason And regardless of Ishin technically being in the way is the lord
3: He, he mm. is
1: in charge So <laughs> Yeah I don't know if it's technically positive You just know like Regardless of Her going out there and committing fucking treason, Mm -hmm. he still lets her live. Mm -hmm. This is very silly, but I have this in my head that they have like incredible, like, divorced energy. (laughs) Like, they, they were married at one point, and then Emma went, oh, fuck no. And they
0: divorced. I mean, I could see that yeah. they kind of grew up together, yes, right?
1: Ab- yes, it's very it's it's great, but I I it's just it's just a funny, it's not like legitimate at all. It's just what I think.
0: Well, I mean, I think there may be something to that. Not that they were literally divorced or they were literally betrothed, mm-hmm. but she is his only connection to his childhood at this point. I mean, he has Ishii and he has his grandfather who kind of raised him, but Ishin doesn't like him. Ishin is very hard on him.
1: That's a bit of a strong word. I don't okay. like. I don't think. I think it's more of a, it's too late now and I can't do it. You know, this is, okay. and it's also definitely a monster of his own creation that he just can't fucking do anything about. It's less a dislike and more of a him giving up.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, more of a, fuck, I can't do anything about this now. But hey, there's this shinobi guy. He's cool. You could probably do something about this.
0: Okay, so he has this relationship with Emma. I like Emma. Let's talk about Emma.
1: I love Emma. Okay. Oh, my God. I wish I could fucking be her. Literally like four foot 11 and yeeting people. <laughs> oh, what a fucking queen Emma is.
0: Judo flips you and shit. It's
1: yeah, great. she will haul you over her head and slam you into the ground and can actually one shot you if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. <laughs> She's such an underrated character because I, I'm very sorry, but a lot of this fandom is more concerned about like Wolf or Ginitro and more like, oh, yeah, Emma's here. Emma literally cures dragon rot, cures it, Mm -hmm. cures at least like for the the most part temporarily until entropy catches up. She also is able to do covert work. She's she's able to essentially be a little spy for Lord Ishin, which Kenichiro may or may not know about. We don't know. And she's able to get information. She's very useful. And she has she really cares about Wolf and she really cares about Kudo and doesn't want to lose either of them. She also really cares about uh, Ishin because she literally looks like she wants to murder him every time he tries to leave the castle when he's not supposed to. <laughs> she's she's very she's very good at her job. She's very professional. She's very helpful. She's also just very kind, very sweet. Mm-hmm. And she, I also absolutely adore her relationship with the sculptor. I love it so much. I I think it's great that Dogen was her technically her pseudo dad literally. Mm-hmm. But like that might be your dad, but it's not your daddy, right? Like mm-hmm. sculptor's the mm. daddy. You know, that's the first person she attached himself herself to, and she still maintains a very good relationship with him. So I I think she's fucking awesome. She can also she can murder me if she wanted to, <laughs>
0: <laughs> murder all of us. Yeah, absolutely. So she, you you bring up an interesting thing. She is the only person I can point to in the story. Uh, Or at least the only major character, let's say, who has a positive relationship with her role models, with her fathers. And in a way, she kind of has three dads, right? And you can see each of their influences on her. You just said she's capable of subterfuge and like spycraft, which is obviously Sculptor's influence. She's a doctor, obviously mm-hmm. Dogen's influence, and then she's an excellent swordsman as well, obviously Ishin's influence.
1: She can actually kick Ishin's ass. They put her and Ishin against each other like in a in a, a video. Oh yeah. They they both fought each other and Emma beat the shit out of them. <laughs> it was great. I, I think if she was actually a warrior, she'd probably be even better than Wolf and Kenny Drew. That's just my opinion. But she like, it's not her main focus. So it's just not meant to be.
0: Yeah. She's like a balanced person. Mm-hmm. She also seems happier than most of the other
3: people yes. because that's <laughs> <she's>... fulfilling work.
1: <laughs> I think about her as the glue holding everything fucking together. She really is. She's keeping Ishin alive. Who knows if she's keeping? She's probably keeping Genitro alive.
0: Yeah, someone had to tell him about the sediment.
1: She developed the gourd mm-hmm. for Wolf. She, like she has such a positive influence and such. She has that healer influence, which is mm-hmm. wonderful. I think she. I think she's great. She's so like underrated, but I think most people just know she's like a little ass kicker.
0: And she says specifically in one of her, I think if you give her a drink, you can ask her a question about why she carries a sword. Mm -hmm. And she says, I don't have the slightest desire to kill anyone. It's just, I would want to kill a demon if one were to appear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So her justification for violence to me seems like one that I actually agree with. And that's that the only reason she'll raise her blade is to stop further violence. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's willing to commit it, but only if it's not a zero-sum game. Only if her committing the violence would spare other people from uh feeling that same violence.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's like the healer part too, where it's just she's <laughs> is that image where it's like I'm a healer but and cocks the gun. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, she has great intel on Kenichiro's character. Mm. She used to say she'd be like, Yeah, there'd be like giant parties you know, everyone would be getting hammered. And once it was a little, little bit too much for me and I need some air, I'd go out back and Penny would be literally gl- glaring at Fountainhead just training, which mm. is great insight.
0: Yeah. And she's the only, I mean, there are some other women in the game. There's uh, Madame Butterfly. Love her. But she's definitely the one we interact with the most. And she seems to be in this game that is bereft of female influence like Mm -hmm. i'm not not female influence but female presence like we have tomoe and kingfisher oh and Kingfisher. gosh how could i forget Kingfisher?
1: because she is because she's not too much of a presence but she's there and if you follow the right steps she's gonna be more prominent so that that that's more of a it's like she's very similar to tomoe that's another small point i guess it would be a big point another big point is the concept of the good old days mm. and how it used to be you know so for genitro for emma and for wolf there were no good old days for wolf there no. were his his whole life has been shit. he, he lost his family in in the coup mm. um he went through obviously rigorous terribly abusive training mm-hmm. um and he's just been a servant his whole life so there's never been good old days but for emma Genetro, Ishin, sculptor L- almost literally everyone else there are the good old days and genichiro is just trying to bring the- back the good old days that's that's his motive is bringing back the good old days but for most of the shinobi there were never good old days <laughs> the good old days back when you weren't being back when you weren't being assassinated by ministry soldiers
0: ah oh. Uh, some of us, that's all we can hope for. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, Ganeshiro, that, that talk about, you know, this, this mythical past, which, which was better for a lot of them, but Mm -hmm. he sees it as like the golden age, right? Which is often like a fascist talking point.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely.
0: Which, you know, plays in with his nationalist, uh, 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 leanings. So Emma, she has this fascination with Wolf, I feel like. And 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 I wonder if you have any insights on that. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, she is she's kind of looking after everyone. She's like, well, Ishin's le- doing this, and Gineiro's doing this, and I'm looking after Kuro too because I'm the only one that Gineiro will let into his room. But I don't know if there's something in their past, like they have interactions. But like, she seems to be quite kind to Wolf, and she's kind to everybody. But I guess it's because you're experiencing the seeing the world through Wolf that. That kindness really sticks out from the rest of the world you're inhabiting.
1: Right. And she's very soft about it too. Mm. Um, I really love I ever almost every playthrough I do, I have to get the dialogue where she's like, Can I touch your face? Yes. Holy fuck, that's the best fucking thing. I I wish you could get close enough where she like physically touched your face, which she might be doing like actually, but game-wise, maybe not. Mm. Sure. But I think her saying can I touch your face? And like, essentially like gently examining him till he goes, oh, you done? <laughs> like, like him experiencing like very gentle physical intimacy is like, has it that ever happened before to that man? Probably not. Cause he seems very uncomfortable. So.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe that's what she sees in him. Like, I know that I, I don't know if that they have lore wise, any prior interactions, Mm-mm. but Maybe she sees that gentleness in him. You know, mm. we the way she touches his face is not unlike the way he touches the bull's face. Like, very gentle, very like, I'm not here to hurt you, even though I'm stabbing you in the head, which is probably how she kills you too, if you go Shura. <laughs> like, oh it's God, okay. I'm gonna yeah. lay you down mm-hmm. now.
1: No, she sh- 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 no, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Sleep. Please sleep.
0: But yeah, she 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 seems to have this fascination with wolf. And I guess you get to see it grow depending on which ending you pursue, because eventually she's saying like, she, ke- she has information about the purification ending, but she she doesn't want to give it to you, right? Mm-hmm. She keeps it from you because she doesn't want you to die.
1: Yep. And she hides it for a while too, because she probably knows, you know, she visits Tomoe's grave. She probably knows then. And then like you have to go to the dilapidated Temple And you have to really press her. Like, what the fuck are you hiding, dude?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. You have to go back to the back of the dilapidated temple and eavesdrop eavesdrop on her. Yep, Fascinating. Okay, so Emma's a good mirror for Wolf and maybe the best mirror. Like, between Emma and Genichiro, you can kind of get a good image of Wolf in your head. Because he's willing to commit all of this violence for something specific for Kuro, but... He has this, it's not something he wants to do. He doesn't want to kill people like Genichiro sometimes seems to.
1: I think that's because while Emma's a great mirror to Wolf, Genichiro is a dramatic foil, for
0: sure. Sure. Uh, And gosh, they do that so well Mm because you meet him three times and every time- You've gotten better and he's gotten better, but like, you're just, except for maybe the first one, which you can lose, you're just a little bit ahead of him. And so he never gets that satisfying. I win moment.
1: Mm -hmm. He, he gets it for like two seconds and probably feels great about it. Um, (laughs) He's like, yeah, I did that. I literally, I literally killed this dude that we beat to death, (laughs) nearly to death. So, it's, it's great accomplishment. You know, but he still like feels probably feels great about it because he has some snippy fucking line every time you lose to him in the beginning. Also, he says just like the most slutty line in history, which is What's which that? is. We- <laughs> Was it a shinobi knows the different should know the difference between honor and victory i'm like what oh. the fuck are you doing dude Damn. Like, what do you mean you hoeing in the in the on the down low
3: <laughs> so i i think that
1: was just the one of the best lines in fromsoft history where it's just it's very subtle but it's a big jab at like yeah i'm better than you <laughs> i'll do anything to win
0: Yeah, that's something that surprised me, I mean, pleasantly about this game, because from software games, they tend to have really intricate, interesting dialogue, you know, because you're generally a a silent protagonist. And so you don't say a lot or like your interactions Mm -hmm. with people are very limited. But in this game, it's very dialogue heavy, right? Like to the point where you get to choose on any copy of it, whether you're listening to it in Japanese or English and. But uh, uh, it it still retains those extremely meaningful short phrases. Like I'm I'm thinking of right now the when you defeat uh, uh, Lady Butterfly and he apologizes to her, right? Because she was an influence on him. Like you can even see, I I don't know if this is intentional or not, but a really striking costume uh, uh, detail of Lady Butterfly is this red cord in the Mm -hmm. middle of her outfit and Wolf wears essentially the same thing. It's around a different part of his body, but it's the same cord and it's the same color. And I wondered if maybe that was a, uh, you know, a nod towards that influence, because if she's working with Owl, she probably trained him. Oh,
1: yeah. No. Well, also, she he does a move that she straight up does, too. So when she jumps on you and literally takes you between her legs and fucking slams you into the ground, <laughs> he does that. He he, that is a very like rare, like I have only been able to do it a few times and I, I I think it was on the Ashina elite. Essentially, he is able to do the same thing. Honestly, that's pretty great. I think that's awesome. But the red cord actually holds up the mortal, the mortal blade. I think. Hold on. I'm gonna... <laughs>
0: Don't call me. Well, he definitely gets a, a a new thing when he puts on the mortal blade. But from the beginning, I thought he had this one red cord. Oh, he around does. No, I lied. Never back. mind.
1: No, I'm just a big fat liar. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but he he does he does use that. He has the cord tying back the sleeves of his kimono, and then he has the red cord around him, and then that's further used to hold up the mortal
3: blade.
0: Okay. Gosh, the Mortal Blade, that red imagery, I fucking Mm. love. Yeah. There's something there. Uh, uh, It's given to you by the divine child, one of the only feminine influences you get in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And red sometimes is used to, uh, red and white are often used in uh, uh, FromSoft games to to denote feminine or or, or masculine traits.
1: It's a cool design. I also think it's like, I just think it's really cool that it's able to put down like immortal things, because guess what? Mm -hmm. There's also the black one, which does also put down immortal things, but in a very sinister way. Let's put it Mm -hmm. that way. Um, Okay. Because like, look at the black flame across almost all FromSoft games. Can you explain the black flame to me, like specifically across FromSoft games, Sophie? Um, honestly, I think the black flame
2: is an effect that they figured out how to do, and they thought it looked cool, and they just reused it because. <laughs> wow! Great like lore.
3: Like the red flame,
2: the red no, the red flame for the mortal blade shows up again in Elden Ring.
3: Yes, oh, and the right, black right, right, flame does too. It's the color
2: of death. Yeah, it's the color of death and death. It's like the thing that can slay immortal things. Like they just do it. Th- anyway.
1: Then that's the lore.
2: <laughs> that's the lore, Sophie. <laughs> I'm waiting for it to show up in Armored Core Six. I'm not even joking. Yeah, it will place your bets, people. There will absolutely be a weapon in armored core six that's like here's the weird red like fire radiation we found on mars mm-hmm. and it's going to be that exact like effect like someone just made a really cool shader
0: and they're like this is it yeah yeah mm-hmm. we're going to use that forever
1: absolutely <laughs>
0: Yeah, there probably will be something like that that just, like, cuts through primal armor or something.
1: It's a FromSoft game. It's going to be there. <laughs> it's definitely, yeah.
0: they're they're going to do it. They're the kings of uh, uh, recycling good ideas, I think.
1: I mean, it's one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah. You know?
2: I mean, ap- apart from Melana. I mean, Melania. Mm-hmm. Who is clearly like, this would have been a good move set in Sekiro.
1: I'm dead fucking <laughs> serious. I'm dead fucking serious when I say this. That is absolutely, they were absolutely planning a Tomoe fight. Oh, absolutely. They were planning a Tomoe fight and they were just yeah. like, fuck, we can't, no DLC. Um, We'll just put it in, Um, because everyone was, everyone just constantly begs for a Tomoe d- DLC. Mm-hmm. And I'm shocked that it's not in there because like FromSoft DLCs, like in the modern, at least modern wise in the past decade are just immaculate so mm. it's just it's just weird that they didn't do that but she literally rips off several moves from okami women it's great yeah. it's awesome
2: it's in the game without a deflection mechanic which is a bit of a problem
0: yeah yes. Yeah. yeah yeah I, ha- I had a lot of trouble with her <laughs> i think everyone knows. i
1: haven't fought her yet because i don't play elden ring Okay. I've just. I mean, I know all about it. I just don't.
0: You're a Sekiro purist.
1: I know. I just got to the capital city and just fu- just got a little distracted elsewhere. Okay. A little over leveled right now, so I just am fucking around wherever I can find before story progressing.
3: So okay. I mean, only
2: about half my friends have finished Elden Ring at this point, point. and I, I don't think that half are gonna like. The other half are actually gonna do it. Mm. That's like something that we've talked about a little bit with regard to like the From games is that, yes, on one level they have basically made the same game like six times in a row.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: But then like if you get into the people who are really, really interested in them, to those people it is six completely distinct things and they'll play, say like, no, this is the only good one. All the other ones are trash. <laughs> or like I only like these three. I hate these ones. Like the number of like... Because obviously most of my friends, I know them through through Bloodborne. And um, a lot of the people who were super into Bloodborne just gave up on Elden Ring, like in the first
0: dungeon. I can see that.
2: Even though it plays like it's 99% like this is the same thing, but that 1% is crucial.
1: I can't believe this is an Elden Ring podcast now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i feel like i've betrayed like i'm letting the side down but i know way more about elden ring than i do about sekiro that's and I totally fair i don't like that it's like that that's okay you you had to you it's were forced you're so to fucking, become an expert it's
1: because you're so fucking smart and big brain that's why that's true
2: very big brain
1: yeah huge. I, have not, I haven't
2: like played like sekiro since i think it was like 2020
1: you texted me and said i yes! just played on the game and then you never touched it again <laughs> it's great the final
2: the final fucking like trophy i got was that incredibly tedious one yeah that's like unlock everything in the skill tree yep
1: that inspired me to get the fucking platinum that's right i platinumed it before you did yeah because i didn't give a shit i was just playing it (laughs) I was just explaining. This it. proves platinums are meaningless because, like, you beat
2: Isshin on your first attempt and I couldn't, like, and I yes, still platinum Yes, I know I beat you. Sword
1: Saint on my first attempt. That's not yeah. impressive.
0: Wait, what did you say?
1: Yeah, I beat Sword Saint on my first attempt. I streamed it. <laughs> it was great. I Have literally beat the shit out of him first try.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I need to see that.
1: Ah! <laughs> I'll send you the clip later, but, yeah, no, I had just, like, been fucking around in the game and um really learning and then i think at one point something really clicked because i was just like i sucked <laughs> I really sucked and then like the first time i fought um owl rooftop, man,
0: rooftop
3: uh, man i i
1: fought i beat him first time and i'm like wow that wasn't so hard and then from then on i can't i can never beat him first time. <laughs> oh yeah now he's hard as shit and i don't know why
0: well, he cheats in a way wow. that no other boss cheats. Well. And then every time you fight him, he adds another way he can cheat. Yep.
1: It's great. He's just a cheesy little man. But I feel like
2: the thing about Sekiro's combat that I really like, and it's also the reason I like Bloodborne's combat, is that it's based on like reversing attacks back on the person who's making them.
1: Uno reverse so go. every
2: time you get attacked, like in Sekiro or in Bloodborne, like the, the emphasis is on, okay, block or parry or interrupt this.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: then when you do that, you can hit the other person back. Whereas so much of Elden Ring is just like this person has a lot of hit points.
0: Yes. If
2: you've watched, um, let me solo her, the guy who like can solo Melania. If you actually watch him do it, a lot of the fight is just him keeping his distance because she's not safe to punish. Mm-hmm. If she does an attack, like, if you fight back, I think there's, like, literally one or two attacks Melania does that you can actually, like, safely counter Mm. because her moveset is so sort of, like, random. And I feel like that's, like, when we talk about her as, like, she's a recycled Sekiro boss, like, she probably is. But in Sekiro, because you would have that deflection mechanic, the way you interacted with those attacks would be so different.
0: Yeah, because Sword Saint yeah. has some of that kind of stuff. Like yeah, he had, yeah. especially the second form of Sword Saint, like the inner one, like he has all those in the air, a thousand yeah. hit combos, but because you can learn the timing of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's completely different. Yeah.
1: Also, he has a gun.
0: <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> they call them Sword Saint and they give him a fucking Glock.
0: Yep. Just that one surprise <laughs> moment, the first time you're fighting him and he pulls it out and you're like, excuse me?
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> nope. I, I can't. <laughs> it's just <laughs> guns in Sengoku, Japan, very common. They would have been, they had been a weapon of war for, for like a nearly two centuries. Wow. And, and any sort of Western media where you see them be like, Oh, guns are dishonorable is fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, they used it for a long time, but the, the Glock, I, there's, it's literally a double. It's, it literally looks like a fucking double sh- sh- sawed off shotgun. It just, it's crazy. And it has the firepower of a sawed-off shotgun.
2: Did either of you play Soul Edge? So, Okay, it was a PS1 fighting game. It's like the one that came before Soul Calibur. Yes. I remember one of the characters, the samurai guy, like his goal is to prove that swords are better than guns. Stop. (laughs) So you play through the game and you beat it. And then it's like, there's a final unique fight to him. It's just you versus a guy with a gun. Uh And the gun is a one shot. So you have to beat up the guy with the gun without him hitting you once to prove
0: that swords are better than guns. Wow. Good, good, uh, uh, narrative there.
1: I absolutely love that. Really brings the definition, bringing a gun to a sword fight.
3: Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is really awesome. And I don't want to take up your entire evenings. So before we go, let's talk about fathers a little bit. mm-hmm. Okay. One of the things I find most fascinating about this game is its story is a great companion piece to uh, Bloodborne because Bloodborne, very feminine, right? There's a lot of mothers. There's a lot of feminine horror and mystique and power and agency there. And in Sekiro, it's like almost the polar opposite. Very few female characters. I think you meet one mother in the game, Mm -hmm, the the blind uh, uh, soldier's mother.
1: Yeah, you meet a you meet a mother. You meet actually two daughters.
0: Yeah, fountainhead. Yeah,
1: and then a lot of the women in the game are technically adversaries. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and it prominently has uh, at least one missing mother figure mm-hmm. uh, of Tomoe, but arguably uh, Kingfisher too, because if Kingfisher was so close to uh, orangutan, then perhaps uh, she had some relationship with Emma as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And then Lady Butterfly, if you consider her one, because eventually she's missing because you fucking kill her. Right.
2: <laughs> isn't there a thing, though, about the um, the Okami women? Like, that's, that's probably the most explicitly, like, feminine gendered thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't, like, again, I'm going back off, like, three-year-old memories, but isn't there something about, like, the, the women do a symbolic marriage with the snake?
1: Yes, and they do yeah. a symbolic marriage with the dragon. Original, yeah, yeah. originally, like that's not how it is in the t- current timeline of the game. Like when you yeah. go there, but that's what's supposed to happen.
2: Yeah, like there's a whole thing about like like the the gun fought enemies with the the enormous cannons. Like mm-hmm. they're all women, mm-hmm. and there's this thing about them being descended from the from the Okami women who mm-hmm. were in mm-hmm. Fountainhead. No, yeah, correct, and they like correct. yeah, yeah, and then like also um, what's her name? The Oren. Yep. Like Oren's descended from the two, isn't she?
1: I don't think so. I think it's just that her circumstance was that she hid in Mibu village to escape the war. Right. And ended up dying there, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then you have the corrupted monk, Yao no bikuni.
2: Yeah, who's named after a like mythical figure.
1: It's actually funny because she's she is named after a mythical figure yeah, who yeah. um it literally means like Priestess of 800 years. Yeah. yeah. She ate a, accidentally ate a piece of mermaid flesh, which is what you are not supposed to eat mm-hmm. that. And Never. she lives for like 800 years, which canonically in the game, apparently it's centipedes. She eats centipedes because she's right. she's full of them. She's also gendered, but she is just like her own person. She's not an Okami woman. And uh, another thing about Okami women is apparently they have great sight. They have like superhuman sight because the gunfort people have great sight um and that's supposed to be a byproduct of okami women mm. yeah because it, it does the thing that like
2: bloodborne does it as well where it's like the old civilization that came beforehand
3: mm-hmm. is
2: very like feminine slash it's not it's not as ob- it's not as, as um uh it doesn't go as hard as tumor does obviously right mm-hmm. It's that same thing as, okay, this is mostly women mm-hmm. in this, like, old civilization that we've sort of conquered but sort of not. Like, we're trying to exert something over this. To me, the difference is that, like, Sekiro, like, it's, Miyazaki's involved, obviously, but I don't think he wrote the scenario. I think he was, like, in, it's, like, his relationship with Armored Core 6 where he sort of, like, conceptualized it, but it's mostly... Okay. um. Mm-hmm from my understanding again this is a three-year-old memories um Mm -hmm. the guy who's mostly in charge of sekiro is uh yamamura the guy who inspires old hunter yamamura in bloodborne
3: right 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 and
2: i think at that time miyazaki would have been working on elden ring and derasune okay and i feel like the real obsession with like um obviously it's in Sekiro, but that obsession with like childhood and like relationships with mother and father and things he takes it differently to the way that Yamamura takes it, even though they're they're very like they're coming from the same place.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because that that real obs- like particularly the obsession with like the act of childbirth is mm-hmm. like a very Miyazaki thing, right? And dead kid and dead kids, obviously. And mm-hmm. well, this this there's, there's a lot yeah. of dead kids in Sakura, but they're all in one
0: place. Yes, and they're all ghosts, and they're not uh little skeleton babies that crawl out of the ground to yeah. get you.
1: No. But they are dead. They are dead children. <laughs> it's a lot of dead children. And and, mm-hmm. and in the manga, which is which is canon, uh, is experimenting on them as well. He's experimenting on not just like regular people, but like families, like whole families of people.
0: Yeah. That's disturbing.
1: Yeah, he's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but he's my piece of shit, so
0: it's fine. <laughs> okay, so let's do a lightning round. <laughs> On the fathers of Sekiro. Okay, okay. We're gonna you can expand on any of them, or anyone can expand on any of them, mm-hmm. but we're gonna we're gonna rate them as bad dad, rad dad, or sad dad. <laughs> okay. I know the two of you did a little bit of this on your <laughs> your old episode of this. Bad right. dad. Yeah,
1: wait, bad yeah. dad, rad dad, or sad dad? Or sad dad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: okay. So okay. here's an easy one. What about Robert's father, Robert? Robert!
1: Sad dad. Easily. Dad, uh, easily. That is the saddest dad ever. Re- I think his actual name is like it's a mistranslation. It's actually Roberto, because he's Portuguese. Yeah. A, he, yeah Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. he's Por- Porch- Porch- oh, Portuguese. Oh, really? Yeah, he's Portuguese. I think like one of the only two like um West, like further Western nations that had visited Japan during that time, which yeah. was uh the Netherlands and Portugal. So mm-hmm. that's where they got the guns. <laughs> they brought the guns. Yeah, no, I, he's just the saddest dad. And it kind of makes me ill to think about the fact that he, like, kind of sided with Sempo, probably under the guise that, like, oh, we might be able to bring your child back.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's specifically guarding them as payment for them administering the waters to his son, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, correct. Okay. How about the sculptor or orangutan?
3: No matter what I do, any Buddha I carve is an incarnation of wrath.
1: sad Sad. that's a sad dad he he really really tried to like make emma live a normal life Mm. he said multiple times the way of a shinobi it's not a good path i didn't want that for her um and unfortunately she she technically became one she is technically a shinobi right now she's doing shinobi shit so i I would say she technically would be considered one if not not necessarily name but in function but he he's sad in the sense that he just like has, you know, he has lived a sad life. And regardless of trying to stay out and away from Emma's life, he didn't technically do the best job, but I don't think that's entirely his fault. Um, mm-hmm. And his just pension towards violence and, you know, what he turns into. He's got a temper. Yeah. I mean, what he turns into in the end is just it's just really sad. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for him. And you can tell he's in pain at all times. So oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely a sad dad.
0: How about Emma's other father, Dogen?
1: <sighs> I'd say somewhere between rad and sad. Okay. Because he wasn't he wasn't a bad father. Um, you definitely look at him in a technically a positive light, but it's sad because he was never able to cure Dragon Rot, and that plague literally tore through Ashina. So yeah. it's very kind of sad and tragic that way. Also, he was apparently a very good mentor. So, mm-hmm. you know, just again, somewhere between sad and rad.
2: I'd like to point out Dogen confused the hell out of me when I played it the first time because there's also a character called Dojon.
0: Yes. It's I Do-jin. thought they were the same yeah, person when people were talking yeah, about yeah. him. <laughs> it was like, Emma, I found your dad. Yeah.
1: Who's
2: also you a actually doctor.
0: you actually had
1: me almost like I had to really break my brain to not say Dojon because I was like, do
0: again. That's who it is. Uh okay. So I I didn't put that together uh until now, thank you. That uh Emma uh succeeds where dogen failed yes correct it uh says more about dogen being a good mentor than it does about him being a bad doctor because he was doing that research and i'm sure emma had access to it when she started treating people uh uh, when there's a new plague under you that's fascinating
2: i find like that's sort of like what the game is to me story-wise
0: okay this
2: is the thing about sekiro that like made me like it and resonate with me when i finally played it Mm mm-hmm which is that point where Owl fights Wolf when you finally kill Owl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because so I feel like in, in like any other story, not literally any other story, but like most other stories that are like this, that's sort of the climax of the story. Like symbolically and literally, I've killed my father. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in charge. Now I'm on top. I've proven how good I am. Mm-hmm. But that happens and then it's followed by this just absolute like ennui. Like they have no idea what they're going to do now. So it's like I've killed my father, I've succeeded, but then, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do now?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I have no role model, I don't know what path I'm supposed to take. And that last half of the game, the like post rooftop owl stuff, mm-hmm. which is them like putting together, like solving the problem themselves, like drawing on things that like happened to them, drawing on like what they've learned, but not trying to follow in anyone's footsteps. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. To I mean, like, that was always the really interesting thing about Sekiro to me, that it sort of, like, it felt more, more, like, resonant.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. And it
2: wasn't a big, tri- the big triumphal thing was actually just rejecting what came before.
1: It's not even, like, a happy thing either. Like, yeah. Wolf kills him, and Kudo's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And Wolf's like, it's
3: fine.
2: That's the other thing that, like, really struck me was Wolf, because, mm-hmm again like a really common thing in stories like this that makes me not like them and it's why i was initially not that interested in playing it is when you say oh well the main character is like they're a trained assassin or they're a trained soldier or something ergo they're stoic Mm -hmm. so they're not going to say much they're not going to emote much they're not going to do much they're going to be very quiet and just sort of like closed off and sekiro is that but it's taking it like what would that actually be like?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Like, how does that actually... Yeah, it's traumatic. traumatic. It completely fucks them up. And it starts giving you these little insights into, like, how, like, Wolf is as a person that I was not expecting to get. I was expecting him to just be, like, gruff, like... Closed off stoic man for the Mm -hmm. whole game. Mm -hmm. So then when he starts opening up and you start realizing how messed up he is, Mm -hmm. yeah, like that, that, like to me, like the sort of the second half to two thirds of it is Mm -hmm. like really because it's almost like, like it climaxes and then it just sort of like sputters out and everyone's like, what the fuck are we supposed to do now?
0: Well, you got to have an aftermath. Usually games that you, you, Play the climax, and then they show you the aftermath. Yeah, and this is like, no, 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 no. You got to experience this part of the story too. Like, you're not off the hook. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's bring that around to Wolf's father, Owl. One,
3: the parent is absolute.
0: What What do we think of Owl? The shittiest. Dad. He's awful. Sh- He's a bad Shitty. dad. The okay. worst. Fucking
1: terrible. And I, you know what's so funny? The first time I played this game. I cried when I killed him.
3: Defeated by my own son. (laughs) The feeling is not entirely unpleasant.
1: Because, like, I I love my dad. I fucking love my dad. He's Mm -hmm. he's a great guy. And it just felt bad because, like, it's like, oh, my fucking God, that's his dad. But then, like, it kind of started to dawn on me, like, as I did a lot more research into, like, shinobi training and how, you know, that all worked and probably how terrible owl was. And also playing through the Shura ending really just got me going, Oh fuck. I'm so glad he's dead. Thank Mm -hmm. God. (laughs) But I think the symbolic fight with him in the memory is, is so Mm. good because that is just the true death of someone like just straight up really being. So if this is owl in his prime, which was probably when he picked up wolf, that is, easily the most cathartic thing wolf could ever experience being able to surpass your dad who more than likely did not really think you were worth much of anything Mm. you know he was just abusive he was not a good person and i I just think that he i mean he's selfish he uses people for his means he's just devious nefarious he's a villain he's a great villain Mm -hmm. i think he's an awesome villain but he's just a terrible dad He's just the antithesis of, good, like, any good dad in the game. Yeah.
2: And that, like, goes back into sort of what I was saying, like, way back when we are talking about Jinro. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, what ultimately makes, like, Wolf a better person than Owl is that Wolf doesn't. He's, like, he's a bad shinobi in a sense. Like, he's not following the father's command. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's, like, fuck the Iron Code. Mm-hmm. But, like, his inability to follow the Iron Code is actually what makes him a better person. It's not about like, it's not about wolf learning that like, hey, okay, my father has told me to follow the code. So I'm going to get there. I'm going to learn it. And I'm going to beat him and prove I'm better. It's like my dad abused me. Mm-hmm. Fuck him. When he tells me to do things, I'm going to say no. And I'm going to be lost and like without support. But that's that's what I have to do. Yeah, and mm-hmm. also realizing yeah. that
1: y- your dad is the one that killed you and set you on this path. Yeah. And like you're in this situation right now because of- this man and he's a threat to Kudo for sure. Obviously his father is no longer, Oh, just his dad. He's Mm -hmm. in his way. That is an obstacle, right? Like you are no longer my dad. You're something, something in my way and being able to push past that sort of pushing past that generational trauma and being able to say, no, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different from you specifically. And Al having a fucking narcissistic hissy fit about it is, is so good. Oh, I love it. It's great.
0: (laughs) So like the one thing Wolf can be thankful for is that Owl showed him exactly how not to conduct himself, right? He's like, if I do the opposite of everything you did, I'll like myself.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. The sure ending is actually just literally doing what his dad told him to do, which is be a fucking Mm -hmm. killer. You know, be like, be this absolute killing machine and do what I tell you. But guess what? That totally backfires on him. You know, because now Wolf has this idea of, oh, maybe I do have some agency in his head. So he kills him. He kill- mm-hmm. he, he. literally, he kills Emma, he kills Ishin, and then he kills Owl, because he's like, well, fuck this, I'm better than you. I don't need to do this. So the,
2: the face Owl makes when he gets killed in the Shira <laughs> It's very funny. <laughs> it's good.
3: My face I went that happened, Shira. I just sent
0: it to you with <laughs> my, my face, face went Shira. Went Shira. <laughs> So good. Okay, so he's... A bad dad. Absolutely. The worst. Then how about Ishin?
1: He's somewhere between rad and bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he's difficult. He's the complex one because he has a father-like role to three different characters, Genichiro, Emma, and uh, Wolf.
3: Mm -hmm. He,
1: I can't even remember if this is discussed in the game, but basically he's a terrible noble. He is not Mm, a good noble. He never was supposed to be a good noble, but they slapped a crown on him. And we're like, yeah, you, you. Mm. This was yeah. your coup. You did this, so you're the leader yeah. now. Yeah, he leads more yeah. up by show of force and knowing that he's the best, rather than yes, I am the most qualified because he's not. He's terrible. Yeah, and like
2: we we were sort of talking about like Elden Ring letting us down in like sort of that area early on, but like mm-hmm. the character of Godfrey in Elden Ring is that a game? Which I know Mimi hasn't gotten there yet. But no, like, I mean,
1: I know all about the lore. Yeah, like, that's, like,
2: that's sort of the the similar thing where it's, like, this guy who was, like, a very, very powerful person on the battlefield. He mm-hmm. won through force. He attained sort of this, like, he attained this rank through show of force, but then it's, like, that's not who you are. You can't actually be noble. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not set out for that, and he's forced to wear this crown throughout. The- and then when he finally, like, confronts you, he's, like, okay, fuck it. Like, I... <laughs> I'm going to rip everything off. I'm going to rip all of the like vestments off, all the regalia off and just basically fight you in my underwear.
0: I'm going to drop my weighted clothing. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm going to prove like that's who I really am. That's the that's the real me. Everything else was like and you can say like that with Ishin.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and Ishin is like very accepting of his not only Ashia's fate but his fate. Yeah. He knows he's going to die, which is why he plays Batman. Yeah. <laughs> he's just living out a Batman fantasy where he's mm-hmm. doing vigilante justice. but Who the fuck is going to stop him? Who? Who's going to stop him? For real. So, you know, him going out and doing that is great. Um, But him passing on this sort of, like, wisdom to Wolf as well as threatening him and saying, if you step out of line, I will put you down. Like, mm-hmm. but not having that same capacity for kanichiro because, like, that's his grandson, And although people might think he's a terrible dad, it doesn't mean he's devoid of feelings. It just means he wasn't very good at it. He Mm. wasn't good at being a father. He might have tried to be a role model, but the only way he could ever be a role model is through the Ashina school of swordsmanship. So he's rad in the sense that he probably passed on some great techniques and really led Ashina back to its roots again and at least temporarily wrenched it from the iron grip of more than likely the Tokugawa. He definitely tried, but you can tell he's ready to go. He's ready to die. Ashina's ready to go. Like he knows that. And he's willing to let Wolf put Ashina down for him. So he's essentially given up on Genichiro, unfortunately. Like he's mm. given up. He has. And it's okay to like acknowledge the fact that he gave up and there's only so much he can do besides killing him because kinslaying is not a uh, great not good (laughs) so it's frowned upon it is frowned upon typically but ishin is a killer but he's not a murderer that's the best way to put it he's killer he will kill but he is not he's not a murderer let's put it that Mm -hmm.
0: way when does he actually become the leader of the ashina clan is it when he kills general Tamamora? so it's hi is that ingrid It's ingrid yeah she's (laughs) i love My God, it's cold. It's very cold. So
2: she's sticking to me as like a little (gasps) heater. Doesn't like
1: it. We can warm each other. So essentially, when it's it's his coup. It's known as his coup. So so just a very small bit of background. The common soldier at the time of the Sengoku period was called Ashigaru, which basically means like trained peasantry. Okay, samurai did not even comprise the main force behind most armies they were just Mm. the lord's daimyo which is what ishin becomes Mm -hmm. ishin is technically considered an ashigaru at or just in the beginning because he is not really of any noticeable title um but it's only after he's successful in this coup that he becomes a daimyo meaning he rules the the land Mm -hmm. he kind of it feels like he abdicates a little bit After a certain period and just says he's Lord now, which you could do. That was actually pretty common when you reached a certain age. But uh, he when he kills General Tamara, he basically just announced like, okay, well, war is over. That's it. But then they didn't know who to make the leader. So they were like, well, you won. You beat him. So you could be the leader. You killed
0: the other leader. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, man. He is endlessly fascinating, I think. Because you get to meet him in three different forms too. Mm-hmm. You get to meet him as Tengu, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get to meet him as old man where he's wearing all white. He's close to death. He's also very like, uh, he's always lounging and drinking, which is mm-hmm. kind of cute. Yeah, good cute. for him. Yeah,
1: yeah. Wow, good for him.
0: <laughs> and then you also get to meet him as sword saint, which is like an Ishin that never really existed like he, he's not. He didn't fight with a spear. He was a swordsman. That's Gyo- that's like that was his spear. thing, right?
1: No, actually. So, so samurai. I mean, just any sort of warrior should okay. have been good with the yari, um, which is the spear, the mm. the sword, and the bow. Um, they should have been skilled in all three. Typically, oh. those are, like the top three. So him being skilled in with the yari, uh, the gun, and the the sword makes a ton of sense. Okay. But that's Gilbu's yari. That is his spear because he meets him in the underworld and he gets to bring it back with him. But that's immortal Ishin. That is Ishin, but like immortal, which is why you have to put him down with the mortal blade, Mm -hmm. because that's why Ishin is so like Leroy Jenkins about fucking bringing Ashima back, (laughs) because now he knows he's immortal and nothing's stopping him. And that probably would have happened if he was immortal like regularly, you know. Also, him having. Lightning techniques is a gift from Tomoe, which is mm-hmm. fucking awesome.
0: Oh, who he also would have fucking seen in the underworld.
1: Ah, awesome. It's great. <laughs> I think
0: that's it's so awesome.
1: Cool. It it existed because it's Ishin in his prime. Mm, okay. So it, it, it existed. It's just Ishin that existed, but the immortal buff of
3: his right.
0: Yeah, the 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 mythologized yes. version of him. Because when you see yeah. him fight in uh the opening cinematic. It's very realistic, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of part of the magical bait and switch they do, where you can imagine that this is, there's no magic in the game to a point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you see him fighting as an old man, yes, he moves very quickly, but he doesn't, like, jump around or anything. He does very, based is not the word I want to say, but, like, he, very stable... Uh, on yes. the ground, kind and of, and that,
1: that—that is actually that's typically the sign of a very good swordsman is kind of like lack of movement, um, just mm. trying to do it in one strike. So like, kind of him being very swift and it, being able to do it with ease is kind of what's the rad dad part about it, just him <laughs> making it look easy.
0: Okay, well then, how about I don't know if I'm missing any fathers here. Gotcha. <laughs> the 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 carp guy. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the oh car Good, okay. Sad, okay. Dad. sad dad. Car sad dad? Yep, no question. Because his daughter <laughs> still very much loves him, right? Is very yep. upset. He has t- oh, yeah, okay. he
1: has two of them.
0: He has two daughters. Wait, he has two daughters? Yes,
2: he has, yeah.
1: yep, he has two. They
2: use the same model,
1: I think, so it's a little oh,
2: okay. confusing. But it's like, because the first time I played it, I thought it's one person who's moving around, but it's actually two of them, yeah.
0: Okay.
1: There, There's one in Mibu Manor, and then the other one is on top of the building. And she kind of tells she tells you about the secret passage because she knows where it is and she knows where it leads. So that's why she like as soon as you re- re- reload the area after opening the door, she all the nobles are dead. And <laughs> She's like,
3: Father, give him back. Yeah, she's like oh stabbing. Yeah, she's yeah. taking
1: all her anger out on him.
0: After dealing with those guys for, you know, half an hour trying to figure out, like, learning the timing and learning how to hit them fast, seeing her stabbing one to death on the ground is so satisfying. Agreed. So I think that's it for fathers, uh, except for, obviously, uh, our main character. So let's bring it back around. He's not traditionally a father. He doesn't adopt Kuro or anything. And Kuro's not actually his child. Mm -hmm. But in many ways, Wolf through the game, he, especially if you take the, um, the purification or the uh, uh, dragon's return ending, he kind of takes on the aspects of being a father. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he even, especially if you take those two, He says, like, you know, you're my lord, but, like, I'm not going to do what you say. I'm going to exercise my agency because I'm the adult here. Mm -hmm. And it's unfair to ask a child to pay the price for this noble act that we're trying to accomplish. Um, So, Wolf, is he a rad dad, a sad dad, a bad dad, all of them?
1: He's a sad dad and a rad dad.
3: Okay. Because Mm
1: -hmm. I definitely, like, kudos young. He can't be Mm -hmm. more than, like, 12 or 13. I'm going to say 12. That's probably around the age that Wolf, you know, probably lost his whole family and he was a, a child of war. So Kudo has grown up in an entire, like almost entirely as a child of war, like the whole time. That mm-hmm. has been his, unfortunately, his situation. And he is just like, I definitely think Wolf sees some of himself in Kudo. He says during the purification ending, like, go and learn what it means to be human. He, he's saying, go live your life. Mm. Like, go mm-hmm. go live your life outside of war, outside of, you know, the curse of immortality. Just go be normal. Like, I couldn't be normal, so you're going to go off and be normal. Please, like, go do that in my stead, because I never got to. He's more of a fatherly role, but I think most of the fandom is like, yeah, it's Kudo's dad. Yeah, Kuro, like, he adopted Kudo. that's Kudo's dad. And I mean, I love, I love that. I mean, I can't disagree. It it just blows my mind because of Owl as technically one of his role models, who is a shit bag and Wolf able to, again, push, push past generational trauma and not be an abusive piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So he, he just, he's a great, he's a good dad, but he's a sad dad, obviously, <laughs> In the yes. mortal severance ending, he just like straight up looks like my depression personified. <laughs> and he just like literally just becomes a sculptor and whittles away his pain essentially because mm-hmm. it's, it's probably painful for him.
0: Oh, very much so. Yeah. I'm, I, I was always struck by the similarities. I think they look very similar. The, the glimpse we get of Wolf in the opening cinematic as a child, as like a a 12, 13 year old, Mm -hmm. and then Kuro himself, I always thought they looked kind of similar. Like Kuro was the nice noble version. You know, he had the nice clothes, he had the nice haircut. And uh, uh, other than those, what do you call it? Like accoutrement, like they, they looked almost identical.
3: Mm -hmm. I hereby condemn the last immortal. Embrace what it needs to be human.
0: Well, this has been a real joy, and I would love to do something like this again sometime. Maybe I can come up with an in depth look we can take at something. Because, gosh, Mimi okay. and, and Sophie, you're just like a, a treasure trove of knowledge.
1: This ain't even all the annoying knowledge that I have. I just have way too much of it. My brain is too big. Um, mm-hmm. I can't keep it all in there. So. Yeah. But Wait, I, doesn't that
0: mean your brain is too small? No, and that It's no, all squeezing I, out?
1: I, I'm like Jimmy Neutron, actually. I look like what's Jimmy that, Neutron.
0: <laughs> not Johnny Mnemonic. Jimmy no, Neutron. Okay. Jimmy
1: Neutron. I'm going to have this This whole podcast was my brain blast.
0: We love it. I, was <laughs> my know, I, brain I blast. didn't
1: say
2: anything for about half an hour. Mm-hmm. Because I was talking well, too much. Yeah. <laughs> you're not talking. You're talking exactly the right amount. You're such a little sweetie. Thank you. <laughs> You don't, like, you don't like the
0: secular, like, expo.
1: Everyone says that, and-
2: um, Yeah,
0: and it's correct.
1: I told Alex beforehand that a lot of the older podcasts, like the one I was on with you, I have yeah. much fresher, more educated takes now. Even though it's more of a hobby, I really, really dug my heels into learning more about this time period. It's just, it's great because there's a lot- lost in translation because if you're not like looking at the minute detail of Japanese culture at the time, you might not get it, but it's not technically essential. It's just technically information that's, Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. But it also, it also helped me for different games like Elden Ring and, Mm. and blood and like going back bloodborne and things like that. Also like Sophie is always like a beautiful fountain of information and will share (laughs) things with me that make my brain go. You know, I'm not an expert. I just know more than the average person. Um, I'll respect. That's what, what an expert,
0: expert is. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. No, it's not. <laughs> That's the dichotomy, layman or expert, you know, and you're no. on the expert side of the dichotomy.
1: No, just like everyone, everyone. What what do you call me, Sophie? Kensei Mimichiro. Ken
2: Kensei Mimichiro. Yeah,
1: Kensei Mimichiro.
0: Which means what? So kensei, kensei
1: means sword saint, but
0: oh. she, she just calls
1: me Kensei Mimichiro i i'm not actually can say but i i do try my best
0: so mimi if if people really like listening to you is there anywhere they could go to listen to more of you
1: uh yeah you can go on to i'm on a high a semi-hiatus right now because i'm playing tears of the kingdom for the time being um and just don't have time to be on Twitter. um Mm -hmm. i'm on twitter.com slash lyrical underscore mimi and then that's about it for now. I don't really have anywhere else.
2: You do You do have a Sakurai podcast that's no, like on No, it's defunct.
1: It's gone. It's gone, yeah. gone, unfortunately. Oh, so it's not up
2: anymore? Nope. Oh, okay. That's oh, sad. Sorry. <laughs> well, you, do, you did something with me people can listen to. Yes, you mm. can
1: go listen to me and Sophie just be insane for like an hour. Oops, all centipedes.
2: If you go to my part owned channel with i do with sin who's not here Mm -hmm. which is uh youtube.com slash sinclair law so that's s-i-n-c-l-i-a-i-r-l-o-r-e as one word um you can hear me and you can also hear a thing i did with mimi about uh about Mm sekuro but that was that was like three years ago i think (laughs) it was a while ago it was a long time ago so like you can when mimi was saying like you know you over time, you sort of like go back and revise your ideas and revise your thoughts and everything. So it's not like um... not the freshest
1: of takes.
0: Yeah, but it does yeah. have
1: funny shit in there, so it's totally it worth the watch because I'm funny as hell. So
0: you are. That's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> you also did a a uh, talk with uh, Acer Aesthetic. Yes. Uh, uh, same level of uh, uh, informativeness, not quite as funny as uh, you and Sophie.
1: <laughs> it was still so, it was still very funny though because. Is here is like, he's one of those let, never let you know their next your next move sort of guys. He's awesome, but he's so fucking funny in a very like, unfortunate, lol, random XD sort of way. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay.
1: But it was great. Yeah, that one has the more fresh takes, but this is definitely the freshest of takes for me. Uh,
0: And, okay, so Sophie, people can find you at uh, youtube.com slash Sinclair. Com Law. Sinclair, Law. Sinclair. Yeah. All right. If people listening to this like Sekiro and I assume they uh, would if they're going to listen to this. Is there another game or another piece of media, any other experience that you can recommend uh, that's like Sekiro?
1: Oh, Tenchu? <laughs> Probably Tenchu. Tenchu. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that like less than just more of a like, if you want like Sekiro flavor, you mm-hmm. can go there. Um, there there really isn't too much of a, another game like Sekiro I'm definitely going to say like you can definitely move on to Elden Ring after mm-hmm. you play Sekiro or you can go play other uh, Souls games because mm-hmm. of the fact that um, you can play them like you play Sekiro and you can actually play them really well if you do that. But I also recommend Breath of the Wild, just some of the some of the combat is based around timing and just that sort of explorative feel is very close.
0: Okay, and Sophie, is there anything yeah. you would recommend to someone who's enjoyed this?
1: Uh, we brought up Jinro,
0: yeah, on this, so I would recommend.
2: Uh, it's not like obviously it's a science fiction story. It's like a kind of police terrorist thriller sort of mm-hmm. story, um, noirish. But that idea of like the main character being someone who's like bad at their job because they have. Some kind of empathy and decency.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, but instead of ending with them overcoming that, it's ending with that being beaten out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you like the sort of the last like third of Sekiro, where it's all like the weird yokai shit with like Fountainhead Palace and the Divine Dragon and all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, the, from did a two game series called Otogi and it was Xbox exclusive. Oh, if, and it's it was like a long time ago, so it's actually kind of hard to find. But if you can pick up a copy of Otogi, either of them, um, it's sort of like that. It's like sort of like you know, weird floating islands with sakura trees and like nine-tailed foxes floating in front of the moon and stuff like that. And
1: wow, can I give one more recommendation in terms of yeah. piece of media? Absolutely. And this is this is actually it's almost the entire it's nearly the entire plot of uh, Sekudo, but it was made before that. Um, sort of the Stranger. Okay. Um, that is almost the exact fucking thing. It was made. It was produced by Studio Bones back in two thousand and seven. Um, it's great. Um, it's got great animation, great characters. It's literally, it's literally sec, you know?
0: Do you think it was a big inspiration?
1: Absolutely. It was a big inspiration. Wow. Okay. Oh, my God. It is almost yeah. the exact same thing.
2: Also, in terms of, like, things that might have inspired it but aren't necessarily the same, Okay. there's a, a Tezuka manga that's, I think, reasonably well-known called um, Dororo, okay. which is about a ninja who, like, when he's a kid his body parts are all taken by demons and he has essentially a process. He's like Robocop. He's like basically like an entirely prosthetic body. So I think the idea of like, okay, he's like a ninja, but like his body um like flips open and becomes a cannon and stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's, I think they probably drew a bit on um, Doro to do that.
0: Okay. Is, is that the one where he's, Every time he beats a demon, he gets a part of himself back. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. There's a it's a PS2 game based on it that got a Western release called, but they called it Blood Will Tell, not Dor. I as Dororo wasn't well known enough. Uh. But if you can find a copy of Yeah, Blood Will Tell on PS2, that's um, that's Dororo.
1: Can I give one more? But it's an actual historical read. Of course. Uh, the Heike. Read the Heike. Read the Heike Monogatari. You don't have like honestly, even if you can just get like the Cliff Notes version. Okay. Read it. Because it is referenced a lot in Sekiro
0: and it, it's a real piece of fiction uh, or just it's a real book. Would you say it's useful in understanding a lot of Japanese media?
1: Yeah, actually it is. Because um, it's, it's like a
0: foundational tale to the culture, right?
1: Yeah, that and um, the Genji, Genji no Monogatari. That's another one. Those are two pieces that if you want great lessons in uh, literacy in Japanese media, you should read it.
2: Um, Also, if you like Immortal Samurai Mm -hmm. who are wandering around in, like, historical fantasy, Blade of the Immortals.
1: Yes, absolutely. Oh, fuck, I love that. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Absolutely. That gets the thumbs up for me. Amazon has that as a prime show, but it's a great manga, too. Oh, one more. Just one Mm -hmm. more, I
0: swear. It's a treasure trove. I
1: know. Vagabond. Please read Vagabond. It's great. Art is great. It is the closest thing to watching, like, a movie? As as you as can be, um, and watch any. It's literally it's one of those things you have to like read one book and then put it down and absorb it, as mm. well as any Akira Kurosawa movies, including mm. *Yojimbo*.
0: Okay, fantastic. Here we go. Pen, pen. Pals.
1: Hesitation, hesitation is, defeat. is defeat. Oh, did <laughs> say it like a little in, like a, like an anime dubber? Hesitation is defeat. Oh shit.
3: Hesitation is defeat.